Hey everybody, welcome to Valley Church. So glad that you're worshiping with us. We are continuing our spiritual geographic series. We are on the Sea of Galilee today. So grab your Bibles and turn with me to John 21. Uh, Before Peter met Jesus, he was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus calls him into ministry. And where we're at today, John chapter 21, it's three years later, they're on the Sea of Galilee once again, but this is after Jesus had been betrayed, it's after his arrest and crucifixion. And uh, scripture says the disciples scattered, they're gone, they're just, they're just all over the place. And Peter, he doesn't know uh, what he's gonna do. Uh, he's been following this Jesus for three years and now it seems to be upside down. So what does Peter do? He, he goes back to the boat, he goes back to what he knows, he goes back to fishing and his fishing business. Uh, this, is a, this is an incredible find. Uh, back in 1986, this ancient fishing boat was discovered in Israel off of the coast of the Sea of Galilee. Wood isn't preserved, like wood just disintegrates after a few years. But somehow, because uh, this boat was packed perfectly by mud and a quick flood of some sort, uh, it was preserved for thousands of years. Uh, I love this. It's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible find. This, uh, th- they call it the Jesus boat. And so Peter is in a boat just like this fishing. And he's feeling like a failure. I mean, Peter, he had denied and abandoned Jesus, even though he said, I will never deny you or abandon you. I will die for you. Uh, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, What we learn from this and what Peter learns from this is failure is a detour. It's not a dead end. It doesn't have to be a dead end, that's for sure. This is good stuff. So today, here's what I want you to do. Just grab your Bible, turn with me to to John chapter 21. We're in our spiritual geographic series uh, on the Sea of Galilee. It's a very familiar place for Peter. Uh, This is where his fishing business was. He started following Jesus there. He he follows Jesus, uh, I don't know if you know this, but for three years, and then all of a sudden he's uh, Jesus is arrested and uh, he's, he's crucified and the disciples, they just scatter. And Peter doesn't know what to do, so he does what's familiar. He, he goes back to the Sea of Galilee and he starts fishing once again. Uh, I don't know if you've seen one of these. Uh, this is called the Jesus Boat. Uh, This is an incredible find. Back in 1986, this ancient Galilean fishing boat, uh, it was was found uh, from the first century on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Peter would have been fishing in something just like this. So in John chapter 21, Peter feels totally like a failure. He's denied Jesus, he's abandoned Jesus, so he's running back to something that feels familiar. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, what we learn and what Peter learns from this is that failure is a detour, not a dead end. Our failure doesn't ever have to be a dead end. So we're gonna get into that today. Failure is not an excuse to run from Jesus. Our failures show us our need for Jesus. So we're gonna make our way to John 21. Why don't you flip your Bibles there? Uh, We're in our spiritual geographic series. Hold on a second. Uh, our scene is the Sea of Galilee. It's a familiar place. Uh, you know, this is after the disciples have been scattered. Hold on a second. Peter doesn't know. This is the G. Have you seen the Jesus boat? It's. Wait a minute. This. <laughs> this all seems oddly familiar. I feel like I'm repeating myself time and time again. Did you? Did you? Did you? Do you feel like that? 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That was intentional. That was, uh, have you ever had deja vu where you're just kind of like in a situation, you're in a scenario and you're like, I feel like I've been here. I feel like I've seen this. That's what, that's what deja vu means. It, it means already seen. You feel like you're experiencing something that you've already experienced. The scene that we're going to eventually get into is John chapter 21. And for Peter, this feels like an incredibly familiar moment. Uh, it's very similar to Luke chapter five, where Jesus calls Peter to be a follower. And what we see in John 21 that we see in Luke chapter five that makes it feel a little like deja vu, something certainly worth remembering, is they're at the Sea of Galilee once again. They're on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, right at the water's edge. There's a boat and, and Peter is fishing once again. And Jesus sees that they, they catch nothing. These disciples, Peter and the disciples, they caught nothing. And Jesus invites them to cast their nets in a new place. And they obediently and faithfully follow. And what happens is they catch in both stories more fish than they could ever need there in the moment. And in both Luke chapter five and John 21, Jesus invites Peter to come and follow him. He says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men at the beginning of his ministry. And here in John 21, uh, he says, Peter, just come and follow me, be all in. Luke chapter five is the start of Jesus' ministry where Peter is called. John 21 is Jesus recalling Peter. He's reinstating Peter. And as everything is unfolding in John chapter 21, it's gotta feel a little like deja vu. Peter was thinking, this is all so familiar. I feel like I've seen this before. And this familiar scene, it shows us how amazing God's grace is. You know, two weeks ago, we were in an upper room and I said I'd come back to the idea of Judas and Peter being so similar. In that upper room, uh, Jesus, he, he confronts both of them, two men who've been living very similar lives. They, they have similar struggles, but their lives end in a very different way. Uh, this grace that Jesus extends is freely available to Peter. It's available to you and me, but it's also it's also available to Judas in the wake of his betrayal, but only if he accepts it. Look at Luke chapter six, verse 16. You might uh, remember this. Um, and Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, as he's even introduced in the text, he's known as the one who became a traitor. Now, if you're new to church, if you're new to reading your Bible or the disciples, Judas turns out to be one of the bad guys of the Bible. Uh, he's the one who betrays Jesus. This whole betrayal, it's an inside job. He betrays Jesus for money and he's not born a traitor. I mean, we're all born sinners, but being a traitor and betraying Jesus is something that he became. Judas, he, he watched the money. He was like the banker of the disciples and he loved having access and authority over the money. He would even take a little money every now and then he'd steal from the pot. And I gotta tell you, what we learn from this uh, is that greed and irresponsibility and lack of accountability do crazy things to people. And eventually Judas, he just, he just went to the chief priests and he initiated a deal to betray Jesus. And then when, when we read in Matthew chapter 26, uh, we see that it was temptation and greed that ultimately pushed Judas over the edge. And Judas had every opportunity. If you read the text, you see that Judas had every opportunity to be faithful and to be a growing follower of Jesus with rock solid faith. He was one of the 12 who had the best opportunity. I mean, he gave three years of his life 
uh, Judas, uh, he heard all of the teachings as he's walking with Jesus. Judas saw miracles. He was there when Jesus walked on water. He was there when Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. And Judas even performed miracles. According to scripture, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two with the power and authority to heal sickness and to cast out demons. So Judas was as close as you can get physically to Jesus here in the first century. He had every advantage. And yet he became a traitor. In the upper room at, at the Last Supper, Jesus, he identifies Judas as the one who's gonna betray him. And he calls this out in front of everybody. John 13, 21, uh, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, he's saying this to the room. He says, one of you is gonna betray me. And when Judas hears this, Jesus gives a sign. He feeds him a little bit of bread, the other uh, gospels say, and Judas just takes off. And after Judas leaves in John uh, 13, 33, Jesus says, children, I'm with you a little while longer. And you're going to look for me. And just as I told the Jews, now I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. Jesus is pointing uh, to all of the things that are going to unfold in the next few hours. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about his resurrection. He's talking about this plan uh, to, to make a way for humanity to be with God forever. And Peter, you know, he's bold, he's brash, and he's very confident. And, and in verses 36 and 38 of chapter 13, Peter says, why can't I follow you now? I just want to follow you now. I'm going to lay my life down for you. Jesus, I would do anything for you. And Jesus replied, will you? Will you lay your life down for me? Because truly I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Have you ever heard a rooster crow? Uh, a rooster, I mean, you're in Iowa, so chances are the answer is yes. But if you haven't, like this is a real live rooster crowing. Listen to this. That's, <laughs> that makes my skin crawl a little bit. Uh, it, it, it's unnerving, it's screeching, it's loud, and it's very clear and, and pointed. And Jesus says, you're gonna hear that when you deny me. That's the sound that's gonna wake you up and that will shock you. And I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll believe I am who I say I am. What Jesus is saying, it really doesn't make sense to Peter, but in Peter's mind, it, it doesn't need to make sense because he's never gonna betray Jesus. He's never going to abandon Jesus. And we take this conversation from the upper room and now we kind of move Jesus and his disciples to a garden. It's, it's Friday morning as we continue through the gospel of John. Uh, and we're talking Friday morning after midnight, well into the night. And Jesus, he, he found a solitary place to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. And he kneeled and he prayed. And he prayed for so many things. You can see Jesus' prayer list in John chapter 17. Maybe make a little mark to go back to that later. His prayers are a mix of, of agony and surrender. And, and there as he's praying emerges from these ancient olive trees right before dawn. It's Judas. And Judas approaches Jesus and, and he, he makes his way to Jesus. And he leaned in to greet Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus says this, I love this. Luke twenty two forty eight. 48, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? He leans in. I think this, I think this is a whisper. Uh, he's not shouting it. He's not yelling it. And I just kind of look at this. I'm like, why does Jesus say this? 
Why does Jesus say this? How, how is this helpful? We've got to ask, how is this helpful? Because what we know about Jesus is he doesn't shame people and Jesus does not guilt people. If you're a note taker, you might want to write those things down. Honestly, I think Jesus says this. And I think the comment Jesus made to Judas in the upper room, somebody's going to betray me. Do what you're going to do quickly. And now he leans in and, and he says, uh, Judas, are, are you, are, are you going to do this right now? Is this, is this happening right now? In other words, I think he's saying to Judas, Judas, I, I see you. Judas, I know what you're going to do. I know you and I know you know who I am and what I'm capable of. It, it, this is something you don't have to do. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you shouldn't be in, but you felt like you're just way too far in, you're way too invested, you're way too deep. And uh, even though it's a waste of your time and to, to you know, use more of your time to do or more of your life to do, you're just kind of like, I'm in too deep. I'm just going to keep going. I think that's what's happening here with Judas. He just feels like he's in too deep. He's gone too far. I think maybe, maybe Judas even hesitates, but then ultimately he greets Jesus with a kiss and that's the sign of betrayal. I don't think G Judas had to betray Jesus. I don't. I know Jesus had to be the sacrifice for the sin of the world, but Jesus, he called out Peter and Judas in the upper room before they acted. And, and Jesus, he, he gave direction and opportunity to turn from their sin to both of these men. And from everything that we know about Jesus and everything that we see Jesus doing in the gospel of John to extend grace to, to both of these men, they both had opportunities to turn back, to turn away from their poor decisions. And even after they made poor decisions to come back and ask for forgiveness, look at what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But now, with the help of Judas, instead of Jesus forgiving Judas, Judas actually speeds up Jesus' journey to the cross. All four gospels talk about the next moment where Jesus is arrested and, and I got to tell you, there's a hidden gem that only shows up in the gospel of Luke. After Judas identifies Jesus to the guards, they, 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 they press in to arrest Jesus and the disciples, they feel the threat level rising. And, and uh, one of the disciples shouts out, should we grab our swords? Should we strike them with our swords? But without hesitation, in Luke 22, verse 51 and 52, one of them struck the servant of the high priest. We know from the other gospels that was Peter. So Peter, he grabs the sword, he strikes the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered him, no more of this, stop. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. Every time I read this passage, especially as a kid, I mean, this was a cool moment. This was like an action-packed moment. But it was one of those moments that I'm like, why is that in the text? Like what's happening here? What's the deal with this whole ear thing? Uh, you know this, like, Cutting off somebody's ear, it's not good, right? You know that, right? Just, uh, you know that, right? Like shout it out. Say, I know that's not okay. Good, good. Um, when Peter cuts off the servant's ear, by the way, with the sword, that either makes Peter an incredible marksman for just whew, 
or really bad if he was trying to kill him. Like uh, his sword skills are incredible or they're terrible. But when Peter cuts off the servant's ear, it's called a crime. It's assault. It's attempted homicide. Don't miss this. I love this. Because of what Peter did, Peter could have been arrested. It's a crime. He could have been arrested, taken to trial. And because of what he did, the level of what he did, Peter could have been executed. But Luke 22 says Jesus healed that ear. Uh, Jesus, by healing that ear, he took away all of the evidence that Peter did anything wrong. At that point, if Jesus would have been arrested, there would have been no evidence to prosecute and, and execute Peter. That's exactly what Jesus does for us when we give our lives to him. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death and he rose again. He, Jesus is alive. He is resurrected. And, and because of all that Jesus has done for us, for those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to pay for your sin. I'm going to cover it up. I'm going to cover up your sin that when you stand before God, there is no evidence to convict. Your guilt falls on me. You see, with Jesus, there's no evidence of our sin. You're forgiven, you're covered, your debt is paid. But without Jesus, you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna try to fix things myself. You're saying, I'm willing to cover my own debt. And the payment that you will pay by trying to cover your own debt is eternal separation and torment. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The therefore means, therefore, all of the junk that is in your life, all of the things in your past, they are in the past. There is now no condemnation for all of those things, that old lifestyle, your old ways. That's only true for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's such good news. Grace is offered to every single person alive and who has ever lived. You just have to accept it. Because of Jesus, everything changes. And we're, we're not stuck in our past mistakes or the, the endless cycle of, of trying hard to save ourselves and failing to meet the demands of perfection. Jesus did this because he knew we couldn't. And so Jesus shouts, he's like, he's like stop it. I don't want any more of this. And in Matthew 26, verse 56, well, we read that then all of the disciples deserted him and ran away. All the disciples in this moment, Jesus is like, don't battle, don't cut off ears, put your swords away, stop. And at that moment, Jesus was arrested and his disciples, they just, they just scatter. They put their swords away and they run away. And look back at Luke uh, 22, 54. Uh, they seized him, they led him away, they brought him to the high priest's house. And meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. I hope you have a pen because you need to write this down. Uh, uh, following Jesus is not easy, but I promise you, following Jesus at a distance, it's impossible. And Peter finds himself at a distance. Jesus is not too far, but he's, he's far. And Peter finds himself warming himself by a fire outside of the high priest's house in the courtyard. And while he's there by the fire, uh, a young girl says, hey, uh, I think this guy is one of the guys who was with Jesus. And Peter immediately says, no, that's not me. Right after that, just a few minutes later, a second person sees Peter and says, you know what? I think you were one of the guys with, with Jesus. And he says, no, 
You don't know what you're talking about. And, and then an hour later, a relative of the servant whose ear was cut off said, hey, didn't I see you with Jesus in the garden? And Peter said, man, he even cursed. Scripture says he cursed. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that sound, it just, it's never not chilling. And I can't imagine what Peter is feeling and thinking as he denies Jesus that third time and he hears that rooster crow. It's haunting. Could you imagine a, a rooster crowing every time you abandon Jesus? And by the way, every time we choose sin over what we know is right is a moment of abandonment. It's, it's, it's a detour. Hopefully it's not a dead end. Like with Jesus, like, like we can get out of those detours. But still those, those detours, those, those moments are us choosing sin over what Jesus wants for us. And we don't see Peter again until the end of the chapter. In John chapter 21, he's with at least six other disciples when, when Peter says this, John 21 verse three, I'm going fishing. This is what I know. This is what I'm going to do. And he hears this, we're going to come with you, they told him. And they went out to their, you know what? I find this so interesting, and this is probably more true than any of us realize, is that when, when we're kind of going through hard things or where we, we've turned our back on Jesus, sometimes we follow people or we find people following us. We kind of drag people into our mess sometimes. That's what is kind of happening here. Peter was never more aware of his failures, so he went back to doing the only thing he knew. <laughs> Remember the boat I showed you at the beginning of our time together? The Jesus boat, look at this boat, it's incredible. It's, it's been preserved so well. Here's a different angle. You can see how wide it is. It, it's a big boat. This is, this is as long as a car and, and as wide as some small cars. And it's just been preserved so beautifully. Uh, we're not gonna get into the boat tremendously, but I want us to see this. And uh, I want you to know that you can go out to our website uh, and get some bonus material. There is like this video that kind of talks all about the discovery and how important it is that we've discovered this boat. It's so incredibly cool. And that's where Peter was. He, he went back to the boat. He's probably thinking about restarting his fishing business. And to him, as, as far as he knows, he, I mean, he deserted Jesus. He's, he's abandoned Jesus. He knows Jesus is crucified and that's it. He thinks the mission is over. Everything that he hoped for over the past three years, it's crumbling. And once again, Peter, he spends all night fishing. He spends all night fishing. And once again, he catches nothing. And I wonder if in this moment, he's just remembering back to when he was called. Not even the thing that he was good at at this point is working for him. And in John 21, verse four, we read this. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know that it was him. Of course, they didn't know it was him. They didn't expect it to be him. To, to the disciples, Jesus was dead and, and the shore was, was at a distance and, and you know, the, the full sun hadn't come up. So they can't really make out who this was. And Jesus on the shore, even though the disciples don't know it's Jesus, here's what Jesus says on the shore. He shouts, friends, I love that. Friends, you don't have any fish, do you? I can hear it in his voice. Friends, after everything they did, he still joyfully shouts out friends. That's who Jesus is. 
Jesus gives second chances. Jesus says our failures are detours. They don't have to be dead ends. Jesus shows us that, that we can make room for people to return. We want people to come back. We want people to come into a relationship with Jesus and those who have kind of slipped away or have found themselves in a detour that's led to a dead end. We just, we just want to model Jesus and make room for their return. Jesus gives us all an opportunity when we fail to fail forward. And under these circumstances, I can't say I'd do the same thing. It wouldn't be easy for me. I'd be, I'd be like confronting everybody in the boat. I'd have my list of things that I had written down. I would have been like, you knew better. I would have been like, I, I told you this would happen and you still did it. Uh, you better make sure uh, that you're ready to come back before I make room to let you be back. But that's not what Jesus does. He calls them friends and, and he invites them back into his life and back into ministry. Even when we mess up, God meets us in spaces and places so that we can make things right and so that he can bring us back. That's for all of us. That's such good news. You know, one of the disciples in the boat said, I think that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And, and, and Peter, he hears the disciples say that and he grabs his outer clothing. He had taken it off the fish and he, he wraps it around his waist and he jumps into the water and he's sprinting as hard as he can, high stepping over the water to get to Jesus. And in verses nine and 10, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire. And I wonder... If, if there's another moment of deja vu, I wonder if Peter sees that fire and I wonder if his stomach and his heart just kind of sink and stop as he remembers the fire he was warming himself by as he was denying Jesus. But on, on the fire was lying fish, fish were lying on it. And, and Jesus says, bring some of your fish that you've just caught. Hey, bring them in. You know, Jesus doesn't need their fish. I love this. Come on. You circle that in your Bible. There's already fish on the fire. Jesus says, I want you to bring your fish. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to know that I don't need you. I want you. I want you. So come, come be a part of this meal. Come be a part of my life. Come be a part of this conversation. I want to make room around the campfire to, to meet with you. This space in this place becomes a location for repentance and reconnection and reinstatement for, for Peter. Because after breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter aside, just the two of them. And they go for a walk on the beach. It's very personal. And on the beach, Jesus doesn't shame Peter, but uh, it, it, this moment is mixed with compassion and confrontation. You know, we constantly talk about letting people into our lives and into the church so they can hear the gospel. And we don't expect people to get cleaned up before they meet Jesus. But we do call people to accountability when they understand who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus is doing here on the shore in verses 15 through 17. And it's a very famous scene. You you can probably picture Jesus and Peter walking on the shore and Jesus says, do you love me? Almost as if he's saying to Peter, remember when you didn't love me and you abandoned me? And Peter says, you know, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. He does it three times in a row. Do you love me? You know, I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know, I love you. Then feed my sheep. 
for Judas. He just tried to fix things for himself and literally wound up at a dead end in life. But for Peter here on the shore, he embraced the grace Jesus offered. And, and while it was, it was painful, it was just the detour. We see Peter failing forward. And then, and then Jesus says, follow me. In verse 19, he says, follow me. Uh, he's, saying, he's saying, Peter, I still want you. Peter, I still love you. You feel damaged, but I want you to know you are not too damaged to come back. God's still in the business of meeting people in places and spaces. And the Sea of Galilee was just one of those places that Jesus used to call disciples, but it's also a place where Jesus reinstated Peter back into ministry. It's not one and done. I mean, we all fail. We don't want to fail, but when we fail, we want to fail forward. Here's a couple of uh, things that I'd hope that you'd write down. Uh, as we remember, as, as we remember regularly, a couple things that we need to remember is we need to remember who Jesus is on a regular basis to know Jesus and to remember who he is. Uh, he's a, a redeemer. Jesus redeems. Apart from Jesus, there is no hope. There's no cure for sin, but there is payment for sin. And redemption, it doesn't come from anything that you can do. My redemption doesn't come from anything that I can do. It only comes from what Jesus has done. And I love this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Jesus is the redeemer. He makes things new. I love this. It's the only one and this is the only way to make anyone new is through what Jesus has done. Jesus is also a restorer. If you're taking notes, write that down. Uh, if, if and when we fail, sometimes we fail forward, meaning we, we learn from our mistakes, we grow, but other times when we fail, we fall back into old habits and old ways. And those old ways might feel familiar and, and comfortable for a moment, but they never fully and finally satisfy. Uh, if you've stopped following Jesus or maybe you're just going through the motions and you're fake following Jesus, uh, your heart was once in it, but now you're moving in another direction. Jesus says, you're welcome here. His arms are wide open. He says, come back, come back to me. He says this to Peter. He says, I still want you. He says, I still love you. He says to Peter, you were so bold for me. I want you to know, I want you. Come and follow me. Come back and follow me. God still meets with people in places and spaces. And, and maybe some of us, we need to meet with him right now. We just need a moment where we say, God, thank you for the gift of salvation. Forgive me for running in a different direction. Uh, and I've been running intentionally on purpose. I've been embarrassed to come back to you. God, but I, I know that it only is you who can pull the burden of sin. God, make me new. Or maybe some of you are praying, make, make me new again. Renew me, Lord. Reinstate me. If you're following Jesus, it's not only important that we remember who Jesus is. If you're following Jesus, I want you to remember who you are. 
Uh, number one, according to this passage, you're a sheep. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. And I don't know if you know this, this can be a little offensive. If you've never studied sheep, sheep are not smart animals. They're actually some of the dumbest of all animals. They're just terribly incompetent and, and they need a shepherd. They rely on, on a shepherd. They, they fall and they fail all the time. And to show you how dumb sheep are and how important a shepherd is, I want you to check out this video. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. That's just crazy. You've got a shepherd there caring for the sheep. He's protecting all of these other sheep. And one of these sheep, just they just got away and did something that sheep do, just something dumb. And, and they find themselves uh, in, in an impossible situation. The shepherd comes and they get back in that impossible situation. That's us. We are sheep. But I don't tell you to remember that because you're dumb or I'm dumb. Sheep listen for the shepherd's voice. We love the shepherd because there is provision and security with the shepherd. Uh, sheep, sheep belong to a shepherd, uh, but not only do we belong to a shepherd, we belong to the shepherd's flock, which means you're cared for by the shepherd, but you're also cared for by community. If you're following Jesus, remember, you are a sheep. The second thing to remember is you're wanted. You know, it might sound harsh to say that Jesus doesn't need you, but he, he wants you. But I got to tell you, it's so much better to be wanted than it is to be needed. Uh, if you're needed, that means somebody like wants something from you as opposed to they just want you. They care about you. The disciples uh, uh, are wanted by Jesus. Uh, and, and as they hit the shore, they see the charcoal fire. There's already fish there. And Jesus says, hey, come eat breakfast with me. Bring your fish. He doesn't need their fish. He wants them. He wants to use their skills, abilities, talents. Uh, it's, it's such a beautiful picture of this, this communal moment. They're having this conversation where Jesus is saying, spend time with me. I want to spend time with you. I want you. Uh, and, and then Peter has this private moment on the beach, this conversation with, with Peter being reinstated. Jesus wants to walk with you. Uh, he wants to know that you're all in. He loves you. He wants you, but he also wants you to know, are you all in? He wants our relationship to be restored so much that, that he gave his life for us. That's how much Jesus wants us. The third thing to remember is you're sent. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent. Don't listen for God to send you. You are sent. He's already sent you. Jesus says, follow me, which means we're already on the move. And the hope that we have in Jesus is now a gift that we share with others. The gift of salvation is free and Jesus gives that gift endlessly to those who confess with their mouth that he is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. That's a gift. That's a gift to share without reservation. It's a gift to share without hesitation. That's who we are. Jesus is making room. He's making room for relationship. He's making room for private moments. He's making room to let you know that you're loved and you're wanted. So when we fail, just like Peter, we see that the Sea of Galilee turned out to be a place where Peter could fail forward.
And so as you and I, as we, as we fail and we will fail, my prayer is that we would see our failures uh, as detours, not dead ends that we can run back to Jesus. Jesus wants to refresh, renew, and help your walk with him be vibrant. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for today and your ministry and your word. God, continue to grow us, help us know who we are. Um, we are not God, we are sheep. We are sheep who are wanted, but also sheep who are sent. God, help us be bold and clear with the gospel and use us for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.